Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Construction Approach to Animal Welfare and Training Podcast. We are your host. I am Masa. Hi, everybody, and I'm Sean. We hope that you are cuddled up with your animal companions and ready for this exciting episode. Before we begin, we have just a quick announcement, and that's that we've been running our Cout membership now for about a month, and we have really been enjoying meeting with everybody on the Facebook page and at our weekly lab and open house sessions. If anybody out there would like to join us in our Cout membership, please check it out on the link that we'll put in the description for this episode. And we also have a two-week trial for just one dollar. That's right. So we welcome everybody. And in today's episode, we will have our student and friend Stuart Hoffman, who is going to join us to share his learning journey of the constructional approach, how he used it, and how it benefited. Yes, this episode should be a lot of fun, and this is going to be a really interesting one, especially for everyone out there who has been sending us questions about the constructional questionnaire. So please enjoy today's show. My name is Stuart Stuart Hoffman, and I'm from、uh, Newmarket, Canada, or Toronto, Canada. I work through、uh, and volunteer with a lab rescue, and I help out our fosters and our adopters when they're having behavior issues or training issues with their dogs.、Um, and I'm also contacted just to do one-on-one training、um, apart from the rescue. So I work with people. Also, with their behavior issues. There we go. And、yep. and and just you know, on top of all of that stuff, you know, I just want to let everybody know, Stuart actually does have a full time, different job. He does on top of all of that amazing work and help that he gives <laughs> to people. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. And um and so where I'd like us to to start for your story that we wanted to have you share with everybody is um can you、uh, first share with us where your love of animal training、uh, first started? So. Um, although I've had dogs in the past, I always love animals.、Um, I had a foster dog, Archie, who was a foster fail, which means he ended up living me, with me for ten years until、uh, he passed just in March of this year. And、uh, Archie just turned my world upside down.、Um, through Archie, I, I had,、uh, I guess, first, you know. Read Karen Pryor, which、yeah. kind of opened my eyes up to clicker training, and and then this lady that not many people know, Sue Aylesby, who she's actually a Canadian who does these books training levels, and and Sue is always talking about communication with the dog, conversations、mm-hmm. with your dog,、mm-hmm. um, and so I love learning, I love animals, and this whole thing about conversations and animals just. You know, really spoke to my heart, and so I just started devouring everything I could. And then I joined、uh, Denise Fenzi's online and started taking a bunch of courses, which led me to ATA,、um, and、uh, and then ATA led me to you guys. And and every you know, as in everything, learning、um, you go down one path, and then someone says, "Hey, do you read this book? Do you read this、yeah. article? You see this thing, or talk to this person?" And you go, "Oh." And、um, you know, I just became immersed,、uh, you know, and just love everything that I've learned. And in the end, you know, give all the thanks to my boy Archie, because、yeah. he was the guy who started everything. So this will leads to our next question, which is, how did you find the constructional approach? Originally, at the beginning of my training, I had seen Cat, and I had seen some films on Cat,、mm-hmm. but back in those days. Um, which was constructional aggression therapy, and 
and um, our training. And but back in those days, it was a dog really over threshold. And, you know, from the perspective I was learning, they were sort of frowning on that. You really don't want the dog to get in that state. You know, is that really how? Um, and I and that was the first and last I heard of it until this guy, Sean Will, showed up on ATA with a constructional affection webinar that I jumped on yeah. and just, you know, was watching what he was doing. And, and, and it's still the constructional didn't hit me, you know, the, it was the affection. And then, you know, I started looking into Sean is everything and his videos on the affection loops and yeah. his dog too, and training, you know, different behaviors with affection. And I thought, well, you can't do that. You need food to train. <laughs> um, how, how does like, wouldn't that be amazing though? Like, you know, cause I could give affection forever. I can't feed forever. And so, um, I had an interest and as you know, I reached out to you guys and said, Hey, I, I want to take your course on this. I don't know if it's for me cause I don't really believe it's going to work. Are you sure I should do this? And you guys were kind enough to go, Hey, we'll, we'll try it. And if it doesn't work, that you know, fine. We'll, we'll, and it was when I got on that course, um, the Mass and Sean, you two guys started talking about constructional and gold diamond. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then you started sending me papers. Yeah. Um, and then more papers and books <laughs> that I just started reading and reading. Um, that, and, it, and it was just amazing, um, you know, and then hearing, um, you know, different Dr. Joe Lang, Dr. Jesus, you know, each one was adding a part. And I think the biggest was this paper you sent me from, I believe these guys from Brazil's that started oh, talking yeah. about degrees of freedom. Yeah. And that just blew my brain apart. It was yeah. like I had to, you know, get a mop and pick it up off the floor <laughs> or something um, <laughs> because it was really three things. So, so anyways, that's what brought me to constructional mm. was me really just opening my eyes going, wow, this makes so much sense to me. Mm. You know, and it and it's so radical, kind of from what everything that I've been doing. You know, and and as in training, we always think, oh yeah, I know a lot, and then the next day you go, yeah, I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember. Um, so like when we email you the paper, like three hours later, you were like, <laughs> wow. This is making so much sense every time that we send you the paper. And I remember when you were sharing this little part in that Gold Diamond 1974 paper, and then you started with, now I know what's, mm. what constructional, uh, uh, constructional mean. What does that mean? And it was the comparison of pathological and, and constructional that hit you, right? I remember. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was just going to say that, that I remember that conversation going, yeah. When, they, when he talks about pathological versus construction. And yeah. then, you know, before then, bits were making sense, but it was that explanation that really sort of said, oh, this is what this is. This, we're building on things that we have. We're not getting rid of things we don't like. We're just building on things. So we're not killing things off. Right. We're building. We're constructing. And, and, and again, that was just like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah, that was just beautiful. And that I I will say that that has changed the way I think about training and I approach training from that day. Everything changed about how I do things from that moment. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I totally can feel you on that one. Like that, that specific paper, we'll put a link to that because I think it's an open access paper too. And then the page number, exactly yeah. the, the, the <laughs> section that Stuart felt aha moment. But, uh, right. but that paper is, is one of the best papers, you know, I've actually read out there on the constructional approach. And, and it also was a big eye opener for me because it allowed me to start looking at things a lot differently than I was before. <clears throat> And as far as what was guiding my training programs and then even the process of using that training program itself. And that's one thing that I find, too, really reaches a whole lot of people, that concept of degrees of freedom. It seems like when folks start thinking through that lens about their training and their animals and the situation that they're in, it's just something it's like you can't unsee that. You know what I mean? And you start coming at everything through that lens of making sure that we're expanding that degree of freedom, that we're giving our animals what it is they want and teaching them easy ways to get those things that they want. Yeah. And, and I just, just to add it, you know, it's interesting because one of the big things in the, the force free or the positive quadrant trainers is, you know, choice and control. Right. Um, but what, what people are finding. And I remember, I think it was Barbara who mentioned this or some, someone had mentioned it on your webinar, actually, that we said, uh, you know, start buttons. Is that, are we really giving them any control or are we thinking we are? Mm. And that went back to degrees of freedom. Did right. they really have a degree of freedom? Right. And so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, this may be cut what I'm going to say, okay. but, um, so in the, in the <laughs> Japanese, that was great, Stuart. That was, that's really good. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. In plain English. But what I wanted to share is like in Japanese, uh, cult membership that we are now making like a terms list mm. and the member can pick the word and then put it on the Google sheet and then we'll explain it. And the thing that they put is choice and degrees of freedom. And mm. when we were going through it, we first asked, okay, what does choice to you, how do you define it? And they have different bunch of uh, definition. And then through that, we said, see, it's so vague. Like choice is so vague. Yeah. It's not really based on contingency. It's, it's just depending on your subjective feeling. So choice right. is not, needs to be studied. And degrees of freedom is a way to really be descriptive based on contingency. So. Boy, we shouldn't yeah. cut that. Okay, all right. <laughs> and, and, and you yeah. know, to just just to, to to add, if you don't, is um, you know, that was a beautiful thing about the paper you sent from from the guys from Brazil that they were saying, you know, hey, this guy's got this job, but if this is the only job in town that he can choose. Did he have choice? That's right. Exactly. That's right. Just because you chose something doesn't mean you had a that much of a choice right. if it's an and or right you can or sorry if it's an and or nothing yeah exactly. yeah you can have this right or or you can get nothing right right yeah and right. degrees of freedom we have to also think about degrees of coercion so That's that right. thing right. is is the how to say flip how to say it the other side of the coin uh, the other side of right. the coin yep yeah. yep yeah and, and this actually brings us you know right into our next question which is um you know, how has the constructional approach helped you to make an impact on the lives of the animals that you've been called on to help? Well, that's a great question. And I was thinking about that a lot. But, um, and it really sort of um, came home to me 
you know, when I hear or I hear what uh, other, you know, when I'm talking to someone and, you know, saying, well, we had a, a, a trainer and this is what they said to us. So this is what they say. And what I hear all the time is the same answer. It's like, here's the problem. Here's the training solution for that problem. We're going to give them treats and we're going to, you know, um, which I'm not saying is bad, but it was always the same. And how it made an impact is it really made me understand a couple, two big points, I would say, are the big impact. One is what I think needs to be done with somebody's animal or whatever person uh, does not matter. What matters is what they think because it, it's them that has to deal with it, right? Exactly. Um, so that, you know, to me, that that's just a huge part of it, right? And then, and then the second thing is, you know, why? What What's everybody getting out of this? Why is the dog doing this? Why are the people doing this? You know, everybody contributes to the behavior because they're all part of that environment. So it really made me stop and go, hey, this isn't cookie cutter. You, you got to truly understand this. Yeah. And if you understand it, um, everyone is going to be a little bit different in how you go about it. And and I run into that. I was working you know, with a trainer and I found that, that, that what I was thinking was the answer all of a sudden after talking to people was totally different because <laughs> I'm going, well, the dog's trying to do this and you're trying to do this. How is just giving this dog some treats, you know, fulfilling everybody's goals here? Mm-hmm. Right. right. So it really had that impact that it, it changed how I looked at things and really made it very centric on the people that we're dealing with yeah. to understand, you know, what skills do they have? What is their problem? you know, from their point of view. Yeah. yeah. And you're doing an amazing thing going through that process because you're basically finding that area, you know, where the dog's goals and the human's goals overlap. And when we get to that spot, you see, you know, a really good program that can really sustain itself, you know, in the long run. And um, yeah. I love your first point that you talked about too, because that really gets to the heart of what I see as being really ethical in using this approach. And this is when we're working with humans or when we're working with animals. And that's that we're not deciding what the goal is or, you know, what the program's going to look like necessarily. We actually go in and we just help these other people and we help look at the situation to find out what are these other individuals' goals that we're working with and what tools do they already come with that can help us get them to where it is that they want to be. And so it really takes away like our own ideas or, or, you know, suggestions on how we think the things should look or how we think their perfect life should look. And it really helps us to focus on what it is they want. Right, right. And so this brings us to a really good place where we can talk a little bit more about the constructional questionnaire. And I would like you to tell the audience a little bit about this tool, Constructional Questionnaire, and then the value that this questionnaire brings to your work with humans and their animal companions. And and just to be a little specific too, right before you jump into that question, for anyone who's listening out there and might not be familiar with what the Constructional Questionnaire is, um, the questionnaire is this list of questions that was developed by Dr. Israel Goldiman that was originally developed to help help humans to identify meaningful goals that they would like to achieve in their lives and then to how to achieve those goals. And it was a program or a tool that was used with humans that had, you know, insomnia, overeating, aggressive behaviors, marital issues, 
um, stuttering, stuttering, delusional, hallucinatory yeah, behavior. <laughs> yeah, just about just about <laughs> everything out sorts there. Of yeah, and um, and Stuart's actually uh, going to be getting into sharing here in a second how he's used this tool. And so I'll go ahead and step out of that question and and allow you to answer <laughs> Moss's question now. Thanks, but you were doing great. <laughs> well, so uh, I'll talk about the question here, and I think we're, we'll probably talk about the, the first time I used it, and, and the results were very surprising to me what I heard. Um, you know, so you know, to me, the, the the questionnaires just started off, and I remember he always talks. You know, you know, where do you want to go? What does this thing look like? If we were to solve all these things and things were looking great, you know, what does this look like? And, and then Golan was talking about, you know, if I'm a Martian up in the air looking down, what would I see? Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, how would this look? Um, and so that was really interesting because you really. You're not even talking. You're, you're kind of talking about the solution. You're not talking about the problem. You're talking about well, how are they seeing things? How how should things be? Right. You're not talking about how should things not be. You're right. saying how should they be for you? So that was huge. Um, and then the second one to me, which was really also pivotal, is the kind of where are we now? And and where are we now? To me, was a double-edged sword. It was. Well, what skills do we have to build off of? Like, what things can you do? What things can the owner do um, to help build on this? And, and really important, I said owner there, because it's not just, in my case, the animal skills. The owner skills are equally or more important. Exactly. Um, yep. And what don't you have? And in the case of, a, of, a, of an owner, that's also huge because – you know, in training, you know, we give them this training plan, go do this. And they don't have timing. They don't have the time to do it. They don't have the time to practice. And then we're surprised the next week. Well, you know, nothing happened, right? Well, they don't have the skills to carry out what we're giving them. We haven't taught them. Sometimes we have to teach them the skills before we even come, you know, we think as trainers, how many years it's taken us to build skills. Right. And then we go to someone and go, Hey, let's do this. <laughs> and the dog just gets you know, is confused. So that was really big. Where, you know, where are we now? What, what do we have and what don't we have to work on? Because in constructional, we're going to build what we have. Right. Okay. And maybe help some new skills with what we don't have. Yeah. Okay. And then of course, how do we get there? How is this thing going to work? How do we get from here to here? What are all the things that are involved? Who has to do what? At what speed can we go? How small are the steps we need to take? Okay, so that's as we build the pro problem. And then, of course, once we get there, you know, uh, there's two things. One, how do we maintain it? Well, we got there. How do we keep it going? You know, um, so we don't slide back. How does this continue? What's our program for that long term? And, of course, um, how are we doing, which is how do we know we got there? Right. And that's the data part of it. You know, you know, can we, can we take some data at the beginning to see where we were and what does that data look like at the end? And what does it look like in the middle, which tells us we've moved forward or not moved forward, which helps us in our program. And I think those are, those are the steps that I understand are the main. Um, he has, you know, more questions, but from my from from the things that I utilized, those were the main parts. Yeah, yeah. And you can go a long way with those parts. I mean, th that that can really give you some good meat, you know, to start. Yeah. Like we were saying, finding those those contingency clues out there to mm. to point us right. in the right direction. Right. Yeah. 
And, and this actually leaves us at the perfect segue point to, to now get into the heart of your story here on, on how you were actually to, able to use this program or this questionnaire to help this family that you were working with. So can you uh, go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about this particular dog and the challenges it presented to, um, to its humans and how, you were, and how you came into this picture to help them in the first place? Right. Well, thanks for asking. Um, and this was really my first go at using it. And it you know, it was phenomenal. Um, Maisie was a dog that came, um, was adopted. And uh, but Maisie had extreme fear. So Maisie will, would not go near anybody, will not let anybody touch her, will spend most of her days under the bed. Mm. Okay. And so, you know, I came in at that point, she, they actually, the, the a rescue had given them a trainer who they said was a behaviorist. I'm not really sure she was, but, and I was hearing stories how on the walk, you know, they were saying, well, you got to show this dog who's boss, you know? And I'm like, an extreme fear dog, you're going to like jerk on the leash and like lose even more trust. So long story short, I, I, I sort of asked them, Hey, my suggestion is I'll work with you. I won't charge you, but you got to tell this other person they can't be involved because you're going to do some damage from my perspective. That's going to be hard to come back from. Mm on this dog because this dog's got extreme fear and trust issues and you break that dog's trust early i don't know if you're ever going to get it back so this was before i had met you guys and met the construction i'll try not to go on forever and so i went in with the classical thing uh, you know a pouch full of treats really good treats and here comes a dog and i'm going to give Maisie treats and treats and treats and treats for coming near me and Maisie, come near me you're going to get a treat I, I didn't try to touch her um, as a matter of fact, I probably touched Maisie once in two years um, because Maisie doesn't want to be touched. Uh, Maisie won't even come that close to you. And um, so I was doing this. Now, Maisie would come down when I came, and I thought this is what they wanted. You know, and so I would do this. And But there was really, you know, Maisie would come, and Maisie would hang out with me, and she would come up for her treats. Um, but we weren't getting any closer. She wasn't coming. She wasn't trusting me anymore, I could tell. Um, and then COVID hit, and so, you know, we couldn't get together here in Canada. It was pretty much locked down. And um, and then I started going through this constructional thing, and you guys had opened your hearts and, and you know, were just so kind to me with, with everything you've, you've given me. And um, so I, I, I got back in touch with them as, as things were opening up, and I said, you know, hey, you know, I want to try a couple things. You know, do you mind if I come out? And... Uh, so I came out this time and I decided I'm going to do this questionnaire and I'm, you know, and I'm thinking, Hey, yeah, this is what they want. They want the dog to come to them. They want the dog to sit on a couch with them, to hang out with them. You know, this is what they really want. That's what I would want my dog to do. Um, and so I started going through the questionnaire and I'm like, Hey, what does this thing look like? Like when you're done and, and their first answer was, well, we'd really like to be able to walk the dog alone. And I said, what do you mean alone? Well, he'll only go out with both of us. But if it's only one of us, the dog will not go. And I said, that's your top thing. <laughs> and they said, yeah. And, and I said, well, what's your second thing? And well, if we leave the house, we want someone else to be able to walk the dog. Mm. I said, oh. And, it, and they said, yeah, if we had those two things, that would be great. We would just be so happy. 
Now, not a word about, you know, Maisie hanging out with them. And, you know, as I probed that, I understood it. These are people who like to go out. They like to go out hiking and so forth. And their life was severely limited because mm. Maisie wouldn't go out. They couldn't get her out. And if they went out, Maisie would hide in a bed. I remember I went over one day when they went out. And Maisie, even knowing me, just stayed under the bed. Mm. Um, actually, I ended up bringing Archie over. And Maisie came down for Archie. <laughs> oh. And I was able to get her out. But wouldn't come for me. And so I just thought that was amazing because what I thought and what a couple other trainers had thought, hey, here's the solution to get Maisie close and touching Maisie. They couldn't care less. That was not a big deal. And it made sense to me what they said. That was that was even bigger impact. I go, I get that because this is the biggest part that's affecting your lives. Right. And so, you know, the other thing I realized Maisie was, with these treats was a coercion. And we talk about degrees of freedom. So I had told, so, so in terms of leash walking, what I'd say is, okay, well, I'll take the dog out, you know, take a couple steps away, hold a piece of treat down and the dog will come to you. Take another couple steps and see if we can do a walk this way. And, and, you know, the guy tried it and tried it and tried it. He goes, yeah, I can get about a house down, you know, but it's not really working. And it was at that time that I sort of on your, we- uh, your webinar had happened and, and, uh, Dr. Joe Lang was talking about coercion and how food could be coercive. And I started thinking about going, you know, Maisie's not coming to me because she wants to. She's coming to me because she wants food. She doesn't want to be near me. And she doesn't want to come near this person on the walk. She's only, we're, we're coercing her with food, right? And, and, I, and I really felt, wow. So after... And it was really after your conference, you know, uh, listening to Massa speak and Sean, and then listening to the contingencies that Joe was talking about, that, that you know, this, this environment, this behavior, this consequence, really we're just trying to change the behavior but, but keep the other two the same. Yeah. And I started thinking about it, and then I looked at, well, what do we have? And the people, I remember them saying, you know, when we're out for a walk, we'll separate. And she'll let us separate for a while, but then we're too far. She wants to come back to us. So I thought about it and I went, oh. And so then that led me to do a program that I said, well, let's work on that. So we're going to have one of you go outside. The other will take Maisie, walk out, and Maisie will walk to the other person. And what we're going to do, and then we'll both walk home together. And what we'll do is we'll just keep making that person go farther and farther away that Maisie has to walk farther and farther to go to the other person. And Maisie could go back home if she wants. She doesn't have to go to them. She has that freedom. And if she wants, we're going to go home. But, um, and they were trying to get to this park. that was about 15 minutes away around the corner. Um, So we, so, you know, this was a constructional thing that no food, right? The contingency she wanted was to, to get to the other owner, right? learning a new skill of walking with him alone while she gets Mm -hmm. to that other owner and that everything would be okay. Hoping that as the farther she goes, she learns, Hey, it's not so bad walking with this guy either. Um, Because we, the lady was a little bit more. So we used her and the man would walk, you know, we did two sessions, each about 40 minutes long and um, sorry, three sessions. And by the third session, Maisie was able to make it 20 minutes to the park alone with the guy. People had walked by, right? And a couple of times Maisie stopped and I had the guy, I was watching him on camera and talking yeah. to him on the phone. I said, well, just wait, just stand and wait. 
right? He's like, well, I think she wants to go home. I go, okay, if she does, great, but just wait. And then Maisie would, you know, think about it for a while and then start walking again. And here's Maisie walking in a beautiful trot, right? Happy, head up, not looking coerced. 20 minutes with one guy all the way to the park. And um, it it was just amazing to see. We we almost all had tears in our eyes to see the confidence in Maisie, the confidence in in, uh, the male walking her, you know, um, you know, and so... And that's where, you know, the protocol was going to go further where we go from the park home, we do different places, different people, then introduce maybe myself, right, to walk with. But that was really the program with Maisie and how, you know, months of trying food, you know, got us nowhere. But thinking about the constructional approach and the things that we had, we put that into place. We set up a program and it was just beautiful. You know, when, indeed. Oh, applause, everyone. <laughs> that's how I felt, man. It was so yeah. nice to see. When you had sent us that video, like, Masa and I both felt that same way as we were watching it because the dog at the start of that video and the dog at the end of the video are two completely Complete different, different dogs. dogs. Yeah. The right. body language is different, just like you're saying. Her head's up. She's trotting. She looks just like a dog that's enjoying and checking out everything outside, which was, it is heartwarming and it is beautiful. I'm sure to be the person there that was able to facilitate it. Um, yeah. It must've just been, you know, a, a big highlight of your day at least, you know? <laughs> sure. yeah. it, you know, it was a highlight and it really, you know, it was a validation mm-hmm. of, of this new way of thinking about it Yeah, and, and understanding why it worked and why it worked for everybody. Yeah, indeed. Right. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, I, for me, I, I'm just still speechless by it because all I see is her trotting along with the guy, you know, and she was on a long leash. We always had her on a long leash, um, and especially because, you know, he had done some pulling based on what that original trainer told her. Uh, so uh, Maisie knew that, and Maisie had, did not trust him at the beginning because she knew that that could happen. Yeah, He hadn't done it in a long time, but it didn't matter. She knew. It's a possibility. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. And the thing that's just really beautiful, you know, when we were watching it, Moss and I have had a lot of conversations about your procedure you were doing because it was something that I've actually never seen. I've never seen anything employed like Mm -hmm. that before. Um, That was a really masterful arrangement of the natural environmental contingencies that were available that were governing uh, Maisie's behavior, and you were able to construct it in a way to give her – some control over this situation that she didn't necessarily like, which was being separate from her humans. And yeah. the procedure you used really looks like a beautiful, like reverse cat. Cause like in cat, like right. we give them the distance because that's what they want. But here, what you're doing is giving her close closeness mm. is what you're giving right. her as her reinforcer. Right. And so it's well, so yeah. elegant in that way. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, it was interesting. And, and the funny thing that you don't know, it was right after your conference that night that I started thinking about it. And I actually wrote, <laughs> I rewrote the whole program because I had done it different. And it was right after listening to everybody, the pieces came together. The other thing that I was saying about that was really interesting is, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, a cat with a negative reinforcement. And there was a negative reinforcement where Maisie wanted to get away from 
being with just one person to get to two. But the most beautiful part of this was there was also the positive reinforcement that when she got there, she was rewarded with the other person, right? Mm -hmm. So it was almost like double (laughs) reinforcement on that one. And you get the control and the good reinforcer that you're after. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, my thanks go always to you guys because for massive, for me saying, Affection? What? <laughs> that. Yeah, I remember receiving several messages from you right after the first webinar for English audience. And I can see like you want to really learn about this, but you were very suspicious about the yes. power of affection to to train behavior. And we were like, we should we should we should we should do it. We should connect with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, uh... And that's something too that that we absolutely love um you know we really loved your your approach to mm. it we we really want people to be open and and feel happy and welcome to bring any questions that they have about what it is we do or we're talking about because in so many ways it, it's it's got so many nuances that are different from how we're traditionally kind of trained to look at behavior and to find solutions to it and so I understand it can be, it was for us as we learned it too when we were going through grad school, um, it can be a very confusing thing to try and, you know, figure out how everything fits together. And so we, we're, we love the discussion and we love talking to people. And so we want everyone out there for any questions that they have or any suggestions they might be looking for for help to feel free to contact yep. us and send us a message. Yeah, but, yeah, but we would like to know how Maisie is doing today, recent days. So um, we had another bit of a lockdown and then they had a family issue. So the walk in, they're still working on the walking issue. I haven't seen Maisie in a couple months now, mm. um, but you know, Maisie's allowing the owner to brush her. Maisie's oh. coming for pets to the male owner because oh, wow. we talked about ways to use constructional for that. So, um, you know, she's still a little bit, you know, fearful. That's going to take a lot of time, but, there's been a lot of things positive that have happened. And I really believe it all came down to also Maisie learning. We're going to listen to her and we're going to respect her and we're not going to push her. Mm. Right. Um, You know, and, you know, and I also just want to say to you guys, I, uh, you know, I joined this open house and it was just a class. um, And I've never had anyone so generous with their time. So patient, you know, we would go, you know, it'd be a two hour session and we'd be like an hour past and you guys <laughs> yeah. are just like, Hey, let's keep talking and send me paper and I'll send you paper. And, you know, I, I, I can't say enough about what, what you guys are providing at caught and how open your hearts are, you know, to educating about people about this, you know, it's, it's you know, I got to thank you. And it was just beautiful. You should both pat yourselves on the back for that. Well, pat everybody. All three of us. And we thank you for those kind words. We we definitely do love hanging out with everybody that comes to talk with us and and sharing this information with everybody. But um, I I also absolutely love hearing this update on Maisie. Mm. And and what I'm sure you've also done for the humans there is you've given them a really easy new way to go about having the kinds of interactions that they would really like to have. And I'm sure as they got that success at the start, and same with Maisie, it made everybody a little bit more inclined probably to keep it up with each other. And, and right. so it's good to right. see. And, and one thing I love to always tell everybody when training and working with our dogs using these approaches is that, you know, our dogs are always doing their best. 
they're they're always doing their best to, to make everybody happy and to get what they're after too. And um, and so as long as we're doing our best too, even if we can't be completely consistent with everything, I, I like to feel like as long as we're staying constructional as best as we can, we'll make it to that end goal together. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I agree. And, you know, I forgot to just say the one thing also that I thought was really important about the session with Maisie is, you know, for the male owner to give treats, there was timing, there was, a, you know, the value of treats and everything. The beautiful thing about the procedure was, he really didn't need any skill other than to walk and not pull the leash. (laughs) You know, I didn't have to teach him anything. I didn't have to rely on his sense of timing, you know, and, and that just, you know, again, work with what we have and develop something with what we have. Yeah. And and this mentality of yours and, and your masterful arrangement of these contingencies is why I just cannot wait for everybody to see your presentation coming up at the, uh, ABAI conference this year for uh, the conjugate leash walking procedure that you spearheaded. It's it, it's going to knock people's socks off, and I can't wait to talk about it more on this show. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm look I'm looking forward to yeah. it and co-presenting and us, you know, talking because this is where it was born out of again a, an open house session that I stayed up all night <laughs> working on. <laughs> And then sent you a PDF the next morning, even though you guys are busy going, can you look at this? Can you look at this? I was really stunned. I was like, it's only been like eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> and hitting all those features in the construction approach. Yeah. You like made like a full like three-page program, like beautifully detailed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I know. It's amazing. So, yeah. No, I'm looking forward to that. That should be very exciting. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it will be very exciting. And, and so, Stuart, I just got to thank you again for, for your time and your wonderful openness on sharing, the, sharing mm-hmm. this amazing story with everybody. I'm sure it's going to mean a lot to people to hear it, and, and it might even help some people that are looking for some ways forward through tricky situations of their own. So thank well, you so thank much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking me, and uh, we'll, we're going to talk soon for sure. And this marks the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you all enjoy this wonderful episode with Stuart Hoffman. If you would like to join at our open house session Stuart mentioned, remember to join CALP membership. We cannot wait to explore the construction approach and your applications to achieve your meaningful goals together. We will put the link to the CALP membership and also a link to the Israel Gold Diamonds 1974 constructional paper on the description below. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast or share it with your friend. And feel free to get more information or reach out to us on our website, caaw2.com or our Facebook page, Constructional Approach to Animal Welfare and Training. Instagram at NPO underbar C-A-A-W-T or you can always email us at C-A-A-W-T contact at gmail.com Thank you so much today. We are your host. I am Masa. And I am Sean. Have a wonderful day with your amazing animal companions. <laughs>